Welcome, enthusiasts, to Wine and the Bottle, the podcast where we taste a wine from the cellar and discuss the people, places, geography, and history that went into creating that wine. I'm your Wine and Spirits Education Trust Level 3 Certified Host, Sarah, and today I've invited my cousins over for a holiday happy hour. We have two bottles of backstage wines to try, a 2018 Central Coast Pinot Noir and a 2019 Slippery Slope Vineyard Russian River Chardonnay. So grab your glass and join us for a nice, wholesome wine tasting. Hi, I'm Erin. I currently live in LA where I work at a children's hospital. And what's your wine experience? I would say like beginner novice. I've been on like a few tastings in Bainbridge and then in um, Santa Barbara, both of which I very much enjoyed, but I have so much more to learn about wine. <laughs> Who are you, sir? All right. Hey, I'm Austin Busca and I'm currently living in Fairbanks, Alaska. I would say I'm a rookie wine drinker. Uh, I would say like whatever the lowest level of knowledge is, that's me. Not often that I get to actually open a bottle of wine. Because usually I'm pouring for just myself and I'm just corvening. What does that mean? Um, Corvin is a tool that punctures the wine bottle with a needle and basically keeps it good for a long amount of time so you can drink the whole bottle over periods of months and months. So it's basically like a syringe, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've yeah. never heard of that. It's got the oh capsule with the argon gas. Then you press the trigger, which releases the argon gas into the bottle, pushes the liquid through the needle out the spout. Oh my gosh. So all you have in the cork is this little teeny tiny hole that since cork tends to expand, it just fills the hole back up. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So it prevents oxidation. I've never heard Such of this. Such a cool tool. That is very cool. This is a lot of uh, tasting rooms will use this. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty neat. So we're going to start with the Chardonnay. This is 2019 Russian River Valley Chardonnay from Backstage Wines, specifically sourced from the Slippery Slope Vineyard. Oh, okay. I see that now. Uh, Russian River is a really great place for Chardonnay to grow because it gets nice, long, sunny summers. But mist from the river and fog from the bay. So. Perfect. There it is. Can I put a pop to it? Yeah. So I'll be interested to see because a lot of California Chardonnays are super buttery. That's why, so I wonder yeah, I've heard that, that as at well. my wine tasting experience in Santa Barbara and like mm -hmm. talking, I guess it was a style that was big kind of back in the day, but now people are kind of figured out how to move away from it. Mm -hmm. Or it has to do with like oak versus non-oak. Yes, the buttery comes from malolactic conversion where the malic acid in the wine um, is eaten up by bacteria basically mm. and converted into lactic acid, which is the same stuff that's in milk. So that's why it has that like, creamy kind of buttery texture and flavor. Oh my gosh. Because it's the same acid that's in milk. So it was a huge mm. thing, especially in like the 70s and 80s. So all the big names like Rombauer, Cake Bread, Stag's Leap, Chateau Montalena, they would make their Chardonnay in a very malolactic forward mm. 
way. So they do like 100% conversion. Now it's really more popular to do a semi-conversion. So they'll do like 50 or 60%. And yes. the other, you know, 30, 40, 30%, 40% is zero malolactic fermentation. So it's all still that bright fruitiness. So yeah, I like the bright, but that's usually the bright fruity. Great. I tend to like that too. Like I want it to have a little bit of creaminess just because Chardonnay should have that like round texture mm -hmm. where it sort of coats everything in your mouth and feels kind of goopy. Like I think that's stylistically my favorite style of Chardonnay, but I don't know. Like I like the fruit forwardness too. Like if it's too buttery, it just literally tastes like you're picking up a stick of butter and eating it. And I stopped doing that when I was seven. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I kind of get like a sour apple smell. Mm. Definitely get like a nuttiness, like cashew kind of mm. hazelnut. Mm. So that tells me that it's probably seen some oak. That nuttiness is typically oh, yeah. like from oxidation and if it's aged in oak, even if it's neutral oak, it does still get a little bit of the air. Is that common for Chardonnay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I do get that like smooth finish, but it still has that like bright, like it like starts bright and then ends kind of with a smooth, yeah. Yeah. Oh wow, there's like a honeysuckle, like honeycomb to it. That's really interesting. I wouldn't expect that in a wine this young. I would expect that more in like an aged Chardonnay, but this is a 2019. So yeah. this is I very. Think I do get apple, mm -hmm. and I do get honey, and I do get that like kind of smoother, more nutty finish. Honestly, yeah, yeah. It definitely has that like mouth coating texture. Yeah, it's very smooth, and it's not dry at all yeah it's um sugar wise like sugar level wise it's definitely would be classified as a dry wine mm -hmm. but as for like the juiciness of it what you're feeling is yeah. the acidity pulling forward all of the juiciness yeah the way to judge acidity in a wine is if your mouth waters a lot for a long time after you swallowed the wine, then you know it's got a lot of acidity in it. See, yeah, I think definitely. I like acid wines. Yeah. <laughs> I think I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give me all the fruity. Yes, yeah. all the fruity, like juicy. Yum. Yeah. For yeah. some reason, it just kind of reminds me of like a, because usually it's used with white wine, the wine base sauce that you would get if you were like some mussels or something yes. like that. I'm just kind of picking that. I, I, I just get that flavor. The creamy kind of flavor. Yeah. Like I, flavor I, want, I want like a plate of mussels in front of me right now. <laughs> That's you know perfect. I mean? There's a little place um, in my neighborhood that is known for that. It's mm -hmm. um, Figaro Bistro. And you just like sit outside. You people watch down the street in Los Feliz and like have people have a plate of mussels and a glass of wine. Oh my God. And I feel like mentally that's a great place to be at <laughs> yeah this would be perfect with that because it's almost like um there's like a lemony like you mentioned like crab apple kind of complexity going on yeah. where you still do get a lot of that fruit but it's it's mostly the complexity from the vinification process the inner clove and yeah there's yeah. almost like an herb dill type aroma to it or maybe like tarragon 
Yeah, I would definitely put pair this with shellfish of some sort with a white sauce. Mm -hmm. It almost evokes being a kid going to the beach. Like I assume this is what my parents would have been drinking. You know, yeah. like this yeah, would be a good choice yeah. for beach sure. Beach wine. They, yes, yeah, this they, is a good. We'd be like running on the beach, and they'd just be like, "Yes, yes." <laughs> yeah, this is definitely a wine you could drink by itself. You don't oh, need yeah. it. You don't need food with it. No. I'm very much enjoying it. Yeah. No, I'm quite impressed. Yeah. Because I am more of a red guy. Yeah. I, yeah. So, you know. For me, yeah. For me, I've learned I tend to like white wines. I think it's like what you're talking about that juicy, acid forward. Yeah. I don't know. It's like adult juice to me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's like absolutely. easy drinking. It almost falls in the middle for me because it definitely has that fruitiness, but it also has that kind of complexity that you find more in red wines. So it's kind of, it's weird. It's like right in the middle. It's very interesting. Have you ever heard the term porch pounder? Yes. <laughs> you, those, you like porch pounder Just wine. sit on I the porch I and throw I it back. I think I do. And I bought one in um, Bainbridge, and that's what like the nickname was. It was like the Bainbridge Porch Pounder. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I would say this is like not quite a porch pounder, but like you mm -hmm. said, it's like it has that complexity. You want to like more enjoy it versus mm -hmm. pound it, but it still has yeah. that kind of like easier drinking feel. Yeah. yeah, this would definitely like fall right in the middle. This is a savor wine. It's not quite a porch pound I wine. say like a sunset, mm. like a summer sunset at the beach. I don't know. Yeah. I like that. With a plate of mussels. Plate of <laughs> yes. mussels. Austin's there, like on the beach. Yeah. I see myself there. Chardonnay is so interesting because you can make it in a range of styles. Like in Chablis, France, they make Chardonnay that is pure acid. You would love it. It's pure acid, lemon lime, like grapefruit. Yes. This this Chardonnay is like pure fruit bomb. But then you get to California, and they're oaking it. They're aging it. It's like a totally different beast. So they don't put it in oak in France? They do. They put it, in, especially in Alsace. Okay. They'll put it in these giant 100-gallon neutral barrels that are hundreds of years old. So they have all this tartar caked on the oh inside. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So while it is technically being matured in oak, um, it doesn't get any of the oak flavor at wow. all. That's amazing. Dang. Yeah. Wait, yeah. can you teach me that technique you're doing with the wine? Yeah, I was going to use that, too. Think of it like mouthwash. Okay. <laughs> I can do that. What you really want to do, you want the wine to coat your entire mouth, including your gums. Mm. Oh, wow. Because you have sensory receptors everywhere in your mouth. So you want to be able to feel, like, what does the weight feel like on your tongue? What does the acid feel like on your gums? For red wines that we'll see with the Pinot Noir, where do you feel the tannins? Do you feel the grippiness in the center of your tongue or on your cheeks or on the roof of your mouth or on your gums? Mm. Um, and it just it sort of helps you develop a, a better, fuller picture of what the wine feels like for you. So basically, yeah, like you treat it like mouthwash. You swirl it around. 
And then you do like a little sucking of air into your mouth uh, to aerate the wine as you're swirling it around. That's that thing, right? And then you swallow it. And you sort of, after, to get the flavors and everything. It'll, it helps, also helps um, send the aromas retro, retronasally so that you're getting those retronasal receptors Amazing. There's science yeah, in that's it. That's so cool. I literally <laughs> love wine. There is a science to it, and it, like, yeah, it just combines that, like, art, but also the science. Yeah. yeah. I taste wine. First thing I start with is actually the color. And typically, you would want to do it on a white surface. Um, so if you have your poster, look for it doesn't have a watery rim. And I think in this case, since it is so pale, yes. Yeah. And that just basically means the core of the color, that kind of pale yellow color, mm -hmm. in, in W set terms, we'd call it pale lemon, and then I think in um, Court of Sommelier, they call it straw. Oh. So even wine nerds have different names for things. <laughs> and it yeah. gets so confusing, because in the wrong context, like if on my W set exam, if I had called this straw, I wouldn't have gotten the point. Oh, wow. Because they want me to use the term lemon. <laughs> Interesting. No. Such amazing distinction. Yeah, yeah. right. I'm like, yeah. it's the exact same thing, just different words. So I would call this pale lemon. If you could see the color go all the way up to the edge, to the watery edge, then it would be deep lemon. And if it's sort of somewhere in the middle where it almost goes up to the edge, but not quite, it's medium. And for white wines, the older they get, the darker they get. Mm -hmm. Red wines, the older they get, the paler they get. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Because I'm thinking about the wine we had last night, and I just, it was, it was, it did look a little clear. It didn't look like super dark, dark. It was yeah. like this lovely kind of like light raspberry, like, hue. I remember thinking that, like, I'm like, oh my gosh, this looks like, you can kind of see through it, like it had that, I don't know. Yeah, it's like kind of crystal. Yeah, that's kind yeah. of crystal quality. Like. Absolutely. And it did have a little bit of age on it. It was 2016, so you could see that in the color of the wine, that it was a little bit paler than it might have been. What we're having tonight, the second wine, is a Pinot Noir as well. So same varietal, but it'll probably be quite different um, because it is from different region and a different vintage it's kind of interesting so the russian river is sort of in it's cooler because it has it's on the coast and it has the russian river influence so it's got lots of mist lots of fog and cool temperatures so you get the lemon lime with some apple and some pear and um high acid so they've done a little bit of malolactic conversion but not a lot yeah a lot of times uh, winemakers will use the malolactic conversion to soften the acid so that it's not so punchy. Yeah. So, well, we're ready to move on to the Pinot? Yeah. yeah. So. It's a lovely, like, russet red. Like, I'm getting, like, red-orange color. I don't know. Yeah, that's uh, garnet. Garnet is how we would, we would call it in the wine world. That's a fun word. Because, yeah, like, I felt like the one last night had more pink. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. 
Yeah, this one is definitely borderline garnet. I probably, if I were writing an exam, I would call it garnet. And that's um, pretty interesting since this is a 2018 Central Coast Pinot Noir. So is it lighter than you would expect or darker? Um, color intensity-wise, it's right where I think it would be. It's pale. Um, pale to medium, I, I would classify it as pale. But... The fact that it's garnet, typically that indicates age because okay. they'll start to brown as they get older, okay. um, just as part of the oxidation process. Right. So that, that could indicate, before I've even looked at the wine, um, could indicate that this was aged in oak because it got a little bit of oxygen. Mm -hmm. I'm getting like a very sweet berry. Yeah, I'm getting like strawberry shortcake. I was thinking strawberry as well. Yeah. Yeah. Almost strawberry preserve, like like jam. Yeah. 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 Just like, yeah, like a really just like. Like, give me cow. a bagel and cream cheese. Yes. I want to put this on top of yes. it. I actually do smell the alcohol off of this. So it's a hot Pinot Noir. A little bit of like wood varnish, um, wet leaves, and almost like a bubble gum. Also get some pretty strong prune and raisin. You know, it's interesting, after I taste it, and then when I go back to smell it again, I smell almost like a, almost a smoky note that I didn't have um, before. Before, yeah, like it's... Which is just in, it's such a contrast, your first thing going into it raw or whatever. Stra when I think strawberry and smoke, uh, those are two very different smells. Mm -hmm. So I, I just think that's a really big, uh, you know change yeah evolution an, an evolution yeah. i was gonna say we like yeah. to call that an evolution right yeah I, I was like i know there's a bigger word i think that this would go really well most people would not pair pinot noir with red meat i would mm -hmm. pair this with red meat i would say that this would probably be good with like a burger or some kind of yeah rare to medium rare steak yeah, but it's got Would like you, a stronger flavor, and I would say almost like a harsher aftertaste. I don't know if yeah. it be like that. Yeah, I don't know. This one, I'm getting a little peppery a bitter, taste. Yeah, a little peppery. Would you classify black pepper, white pepper, jalapeno pepper? Um, maybe a little, maybe a little black, maybe a little black, black pepper. pepper. Um, Peppers. right, right off the tip though, when I first. Did it though, a little cayenne though, just a little. I don't know, just just very. It was like it was there and then it was gone. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, like it has kind of like a bloody character. Yeah, I get this like harsh. I don't, I don't want to say maybe bitter, but I don't know bitter undertones. Maybe it's that like. like yeah, so I would like if I had this, and in a blind tasting, I would be like, this tastes like a syrup, but it doesn't have any tannins. <laughs> Yeah, yeah so, because I feel like it's like a fuller body and more pepper. Like yeah, more, it's like a little bit more peppery, and then it has that like gritty feel. Yeah. yeah. Where where would we drink this wine? For some reason, like as we said, like gamey and blood, I'm imagining like a hunting lodge in Alaska <laughs> or something like that. Like Gosh, after yeah. like <laughs> an attempted like caribou hunt, we come in from like the cold, oh and they're like. We didn't catch anything today. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, it sounds like you're describing my life. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, 
See what you're doing there. Send you with a bottle of this <laughs> yeah, so you can have it for those days. Yes. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. May yeah. Not have what an original experience you've just formulated <laughs> in your head. Or... You know, that's me. Hmm. What was original? <laughs> it does sort of have that, like, by the fire, listening to Grandpa tell stories sort of vibe going on here. Yeah. I do a lot of unconventional pairings that I'll post them to my socials, and people are like, "Why would you pair that?" I'm like, because it was good. Yeah. <laughs> that was good, it and I liked for me. it. Yeah, it worked for me. Yeah, that Chardonnay is some smooth drinking. Yeah, yeah. it's really and it felt classy. You know, I, I felt like not only is it the wine that your parents would drink on the on the beach, you know, bye kids, have fun. I also feel like that's something that you could sip in a piano lounge, you know? 100%. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Yeah. It's classy. It's elegant and smooth. And yeah. There's just something a little uh, rough and tumble about this Pinot Noir. Yeah. yeah. Now, something to think about, you know, so with this Pinot Noir here, mm-hmm. it just says central coast mm-hmm. so does that mean the grapes are coming from multiple locations within the central coast then? yeah absolutely so it's not single vineyard designated and so would that potentially contribute to this kind of interesting puzzle piece that we have going on with yeah. this bottle of wine it what it tells me is that they were looking to blend certain elements from certain different vineyards so mm-hmm. they're looking at what do these grapes bring to the wine versus what do these grapes on this side bring to the wine so the harmony of it, not great. Um, it's a little flat. Yeah. It's a little, <laughs> little flat. Just a little bit. But it would be it would be interesting to find out where um, where it was sourced from in Central Coast, because that mm. Central Coast covers everywhere from Santa Barbara all the way up through Mendocino. So that's a central coast is like this big overarching appellation. It's not terribly specific. So this could have grapes from anywhere within that designation. Yeah. That's so huge. Like mm-hmm. that's such a huge huge region. Like we talk about these microclimates that like <laughs> span like hundreds of miles. It's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Whereas, so, whereas this came from just one yeah, single vineyard, slippery slope, slippery slope vineyard. So, yeah, yeah. so you know exactly. it's going to be a little more unified. Yeah. Yes, maybe. and maybe that adds like to the cohesiveness of like the taste experience versus this one. It's like yeah, kind of all over. Cool. That was fun tasting. Yeah, <laughs> that was great. I enjoyed that. Yes. Cheers. So in case you're curious about Backstage Wines, Backstage is a family-operated venture in Larkspur, California, across the bay from San Francisco, helmed by winemaker Angelo Para. The brand comes out of the Mountain View Winery, helmed by Mr. Para since 2010. The grapes are sourced from premium micro-vineyards, many only a single acre in size from all over California. Some of their most notable wines come from vineyards in Napa, Sonoma, and Monterey, with theatrical names like Masquerade, Encore, and Soprano. Para specializes in single-varietal, single-vineyard wine, but some of the Backstage Wines cuvées are single-varietal wines sourced from a geographically broader scope, like the Central Coast Pinot Noir from today's tasting. 
In an interview with Cape Cod Sellers, Para explained, and I'm paraphrasing here, that his desire for many varietals and varied terroir moved him to purchase vineyards all throughout California, and now Mountain View Winery has 19 micro vineyards in its holdings. The wines we tried today are available from the winery only. You won't find these wines in a grocery store or BevMo, so if you want to get a bottle, stop by the tasting room in Larkspur. The Chardonnay retails for about $54, and the Pinot retails for $45. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Wine in the Bottle. I've been your host, Sarah. Cheers. <laughs>